So you may have all kinds of powers of attorney out there, customs brokers acting on your behalf that you don't even know about. And some of those could be filing anti-dumping injuries. That you Welcome to Simply Trade, brought to you by Global Training Center. My name is Lalo, and together with my co-host, Andy, we have well over 60 years of combined trade, logistics, and supply chain experience. Along the way, we have seen and witnessed different challenges in trade compliance. We decided to put the show together and call on our friends and colleagues in the business to hang out with us and share their knowledge in all things trade. Thank you for spending some time with us. Enjoy the show. Lalo, I, I can tell you, we just uh, had uh, the previous shows on uh, the anti-dumping and countervailing yes, duty, uh, uh, Jen and uh, David, CBD yes, yes, entries and, and commodities, and all that. And quite frankly, that is, uh, you know, makes you about as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, that is a big deal, and you hope that if you're importing commodities that they definitely have checked out that they do not qualify for AD or CVD, but yet, you know, it's a big deal. So, uh, you know, it's great content on those previous shows. Today, we're going to be talking uh, with uh, Bonnie, who is an actual importer, and be able to got great experience but i think that um we're going to get some you know good details on well i'm a compliance person what do i got to do i mean right so what ad cvd is a big deal where do i go what do i do what's what are the steps right and her experience is amazing i mean she 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 was an importer i believe that's where she started was a company as an importer then became a consultant for several years, helping other companies with topics like ADCVD and, of course, countless others. And it's back with an importer, one of the country's largest importers. And um, so, I mean, she's she's very well qualified. I'm really excited to talk to her. She's been a longtime friend of personal friend of both of ours, but uh, of also, you know, in, in within the industry, not not just as a, as a, as a trade practitioner, but just as a buddy to us. <laughs> Definitely. Well, she's one that is, uh, she, Bonnie's always a pleasure to be around, but the one thing <laughs> about her is, uh, I mean, she is so intelligent and yet it's great to talk with her. And every time I talk with her, I'm going, this woman's going to forget more than I get to learn. So it's yeah. like, I'm looking forward to talking with her. So <laughs> folks are going to be in for a good show. I, I think it's going to be worthwhile. Yeah. Let's bring her on. Looking forward to uh, talking with you, Bonnie, here. is an, a per Thanks for uh, coming on. But I, I'm going to tell you that we're uh, looking for what I want to hear us talk about. We, we've established that the AD and CVD situations, the cases, the commodities, when somebody is being an importer, it is a big deal. And you got to really do your due diligence and, and research to get in and make sure that you're products, if covered under AD or CVD uh, situations, that you take appropriate actions. But here's part of the issues that in the previous shows that we had, um, it is, you know, established is very important. But what I see, Bonnie, is where we're lacking here. I want to see a few more specific actions that <clears throat> come up what a compliance-related person should be trying to do because this has got to be a coordinated effort with your your purchasing your your marketing your sales your operations the you know the import export uh, logistics and all that 
So what do you do if you have a new product that comes in? What do you do as an importer at Wayfair or anywhere else, any other company that you do? What's the approach you would recommend somebody take to make sure that they're either proficient in the knowledge that this is okay or what actions they should take? So, you know, an example that I like to use for people who maybe aren't familiar with anti-dumping is the avocado case, because everyone loves avocados, right? Love a good guacamole. So what happened was U.S. farmers, if let's say you're an avocado farmer in the U.S., right? Mm -hmm. You own a farm. You can sell your avocados for $2 a piece, okay? And then all of a sudden, all of these Chinese avocados flood the market, and these Chinese farmers can sell their avocados in the U.S for $1 a piece. Well, now as the U.S. farmer, you're like, what the heck? You know, I can't compete with these Chinese farmers. You can sell their avocados for $1. I can sell them for $2. Now I'm, I, my farm is gone, right? I can't sell my avocados. So then the U.S. government comes in and says, okay, we're going to help with this. So now what we're going to do is place a 200% duty rate on these Chinese avocados to help our American farmers. So now the, the Chinese avocados are now priced higher than the U.S. avocados. And as an American farmer, I can compete with, you know, the market again. So I think that's, you know, a good place to start is to just let folks know that this is really not, I mean, is it retaliatory? Uh, sure, right? But it's really to help U.S. Um, producers and manufacturers and farmers. And frankly, you know, that's what our country is built on. So that's really important. So well, I think as there's an a de- importer, le- yeah. forgive me for jumping in here, but uh, I mm-hmm. think there's a, an important um, point here to delineate when there mm-hmm. is an anti-dumping scenario the accusation is the foreign goods are being brought into the U.S. and sold below cost in other words somehow they're being you know the government in that country is heavily subsidizing that product right or somewhere along the lines where or the other is a company may even though it's a foreign company may elect to sell their goods at a loss to try and gain market share, which is not a fair exactly. scenario. So mm-hmm. there's a difference of dealing with competition versus unfair competition. And I think that's where the anti-dumping cases come into play, where right. it's coming in and it's like, there's no way you can be selling for a dollar when you know cost alone would make it at least a buck fifty or something. Who, who knows? Mm-hmm. You know? Right, exactly. And yeah, the, the government subsidy portion of it that you mentioned is where the countervailing duties come into play, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have both those um, anti-dumping and then the countervailing duties, which are addressing that that subsidy right. issue. So absolutely. So I think, you know, to answer your, your previous question, as an importer, what do you do? I think there's, there's several routes you can take. I mean, there are some instances where you can say, well, I'm just, you know, I I can't, my supply chain can't afford to take on that additional duty. So I'm either going to switch to using a U.S. supplier or a supplier from a different country that's not covered under the scope of that anti-dumping ruling. So for example, there was an anti-dumping ruling in Canada recently on mattresses from China, but what, let's say you could still buy them from India, right? And you wouldn't have those additional duties. So keep in mind, that it also depends on country of origin of you know where these goods are coming from so maybe you find a different supplier in another region that you can source from and avoid those duties 
in some cases, you don't have a choice, right? Especially coming from the chemical industry, there may only be one chemical plant that makes that good and it's in one region of the world. For example, lithium is mined from the ground, right? So there are only certain regions of the world where you can find that. So you may not be able to avoid you know, anti-dumping duties on some things, but on other things you can also, let's say you wanna stick with that same supplier, are they able to relocate their manufacturing facility? facility, right? That could be another um, thing to ask them. You know, if they already have another manufacturing facility, let's let's use the, the mattresses from China example again. Let's say that they have a manufacturing facility in India that's producing something else other than mattresses. Are they able to start manufacturing mattresses in that facility now and shift their production so that, you know, they no longer fall under anti-dumping? So I think there's a different, you know, a few different avenues that you can take as an importer to try to help your, you know, your bottom line at the end of the day so let me ask this all right so Mm -hmm. let's uh let's take a situation let's take stay with the mattresses in a minute Mm -hmm. so if you have a a, an opportunity where it looks like you're you're needing to to bring in mattresses for your stores and Mm -hmm. so your folks are out there sourcing all of that in the process of doing that obviously you also have the the scenario where you're uh should be uh, vetting your suppliers. So a somebody says, yeah, I can sell those to you or whatever. Well, get into the corporate bureaucracy, log on and, and complete the uh, packet on becoming a vendor for our company. In that realm, <clears throat> before you, you know, even the commodity comes up, when somebody is looking at becoming a vendor of your company, should not the compliance people be involved in vetting that and have a say in the approval process? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And and not only, you know, talking about anti-dumping reasons, because obviously, you know, maybe there isn't an anti-dumping case on what you're approving this vendor to source for your company at the time, but then one comes up later, right? But even looking at things like denied party screening, right? right? There are lots of reasons why, and just compliance issues in general. Um, and even, you know, I know that you're going to cover INCO terms in a subsequent issue uh, episode, but, you know, can that supplier act as the importer of record into the country that you need them to, you know, and determining those sorts of things. There are all sorts of reasons why your compliance folks should absolutely be involved when you're onboarding a new supplier, for sure. So one of the key things is, I mean, I'm kind of led you along that lines there, but I'm hoping you're agreeing with that is, yes, is one of the actions doesn't necessarily have to be the first, although I would recommend that before you get to commodities, look at the people you're dealing with. Um, mm-hmm. And there's several things, just not for the AD or CVD situation where we're focused on today. But I mean, you've got the mm-hmm. forced labor prevention acts. You've got, right. uh, like you just said, denied parties or restricted party screening. You got all that kind of stuff. So it's going through and, and getting that all set up is one thing. Um, and then what? What about uh, as far as uh, a part? This is one of the things I guess I look at and. If you are a company that is an e-commerce company, a virtual mm-hmm. store, um, e-commerce, whatever, even a hard, uh, you know, brick and mortars uh, as well. But I'm of the opinion, and I may be wrong. Help me with this a minute. When there is an item added to the inventory for sale, whether it's on, on, you know physically in, on 
U.S. soil or not or, or whatever. That item doesn't just happen. I mean, it takes probably several weeks for it to go through, a, you know, especially a big company, a small one I get, but it takes a while for you to go through and say, all right, yeah, we're going to be taking pictures of this. We're going to be doing a marketing thing. We're going to be doing, we're looking at the cost. We're, you know, all those things are going to be sure. involved. And it's amazing mm -hmm. to me that in that process, uh, the compliance folks are usually, you know, left out until the product is sitting at the port going, why is it not cleared? And he's like, well, what is it? Yeah, that's definitely something that that all companies should should work on and make sure that they have, you know, included in the process, the trade compliance folks, like you said, because there are all kinds of things. I mean, yes, you need to determine whether anti-dumping applies to those goods or countervailing duties. Um, but what about other, you know, restrictions as well? Like maybe there's a PGA, a partner government agency requirement, right. like the FDA or the EPA or the USDA, right? Yeah. There's several different agencies looking at things. So yeah, your trade compliance people should be involved for for multiple reasons um and looking at you know country of origin information is this being sourced from north korea right. you know can we do that yeah. or from syria or cuba or right there's all types of reasons and you know when you're talking about you were talking about needing to you know take pictures of items and figure out how to market those items and that sort of thing right um having all of the necessary information needed about the item to determine the hts code for example right, right? that can be very helpful to have your trade compliance people in you know on the front side um, yeah, absolutely. Lots of reasons, anti-dumping reasons for sure. Um, and if something does qualify for anti-dumping duties, um, what do you what do you then decide to do? You know, some companies will determine we don't want to sell these items because they would have to be so expensive for us to account for that additional duty rate that it just we wouldn't be competitive in the market, right? right. Um, or they may determine that you know it would they would actually lose money if they if they didn't build the additional cost into their products cost that they're charging their customer. Are they are they actually losing money every time they make a sale? So you know, going um, tying in your anti-dumping duty to your pricing and what you're actually listing that item for sale as, mm -hmm. you know, is a really important part of it as well. So okay. you'd hate to find out, you know, once once a customer, what you don't want to have happen is a customer places an order for something and you don't realize it qualifies for, or it has anti-dumping duties on it until it reaches the border. Right. And you didn't collect that from the yeah. customer. Now you've lost all kinds right. of money. Well, so, you've got a, a customer yeah. uh, dissatisfaction situation or especially even if it's Absolutely. a legitimate um, if you will, fee, duty, all that uh, cost to the customer, they're going to like, what are you done, trying to do? Now you're trying to gouge me or whatever, and it, that's not going to work. Exactly. Okay, so vetting, being involved in, in the vetting process, looking at, you know, obviously being more proactive in the uh, vetting of the commodity itself. Obviously, you just mentioned the classification and, and being involved in that. And so let's take it a step further. All right, you got it classified. Looks like it's coming from China in this case or whatever else, you know, whatever kind of, I don't want to, everybody harps, harps mm -hmm. on China, but it could be anywhere. Not, not picking on China, yeah. yeah but, but um, you know, yeah. all these kinds of things. The, the, the point being is you haven't even done any kind of research if it qualifies for AD or CVD. So how do you do that? What would you, what, where's the resource? Where are sure. you going to go to go? Well, here's my list of uh, items that are, you know, and where am I going to check that out? And and Bonnie, yeah, I, I know that. I, um, 
what I was going to say is uh, that question that Andy's saying is uh, I brought that up previously on our one of the previous episodes, and I said I mean a company has those may have some resources, but what about the guy or the gal that's selling on Etsy or on Amazon? You know they right they're just buying you know so but anyway go ahead. Right. Yeah, there's definitely um, a lot of resources that, like you said, you know, bigger companies can use. I know that not to, you know, talk about any specific vendors, but I know that there's a lot of um, like Descartes um, has customs info mm -hmm. out there that is widely seen as, you know, one of the good resources for this. Um, but there are also websites, Lalo, to your point, like what if you are just you don't have customs info, right? And you're just a, someone selling on Etsy. Um, you can go um, basically Google, you know, anti-dumping cases and you can find all of them. Um, but the best way to do it is to search by HTS code. So the harmonized tariff code for your item. So once you've been able to determine what that is, you can see if that HTS code um, flags for any anti-dumping or countervailing cases. But just because an HTS code flags for it doesn't mean it qualifies for it. For example, back to our mattress case, I don't remember the exact you know, parameters of that ruling, but let's say it was something like mattresses three inches thick or more qualify, but ones under three inches thick don't fall under the scope of the ruling. So you can't determine that just from the HTS code, right? So just because the HTS code flags for it, you then need to go back and look at your specific product and at the ruling itself and say, are there any parameters that I can see whether my item is in or out of scope of the ruling. Well, taking that a step so. further, uh, there was an excellent example that our previous guest had uh, provided, and, and one was, uh, it was a cabinet, uh, and let's just say a TV cabinet, that uh, mm -hmm. was manufactured, but the, the uh, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, Lila, were they saying it was Indonesia or India or... Right. So it's, it's, it was in the Far East somewhere. Right. And, mm -hmm. and it was, uh, the top was made out of a certain kind of slate that that qualified for an anti-dumping or CBD case, either one. I don't recall which one, but, but everything else was fine. And the classification on that would have come across as, all right, it's a TV cabinet or a cabinet for televisions. Mm -hmm. um, and yet... You know, and that HTS would not have flagged, but the fact that the top of it, you know, the counterpart of it or whatever, was uh, made of a slate that was qualified. Um, so there's a scenario where I'm looking at it going, well, how are you going to know? So just like you said, all right, so let's take that a step right. further. Um, the, you know, all right, I'm doing due diligence. I've looked. You can, re and you probably need to be documenting on that particular commodity, if it's going into you, you're going to offer it to sell in your inventory online or, you know, in the store or whatever. You better be documenting your due diligence on, I've checked here, I've looked here or whatever. Definitely. But are there any other resources that you can think of? Um, like the Department of Commerce is where the AD and CBD cases go, right? 
Right. Yeah. They live there. Yeah. Ultimately. Um, honestly, I mean, just being abreast of what's going on in the space of global trade, right? So there's lots of publications you can sign up for, um, free ones mm-hmm. that, that anybody can sign up for. They don't cost you anything. Free is my favorite price point, Lalo and Andy. I love <laughs> free resources. Um, if you go to CBP's website, you can sign up for daily emails from them on various uh, topics. And this is one of them. And so they'll let you know, you know, anytime it'll just come right to your inbox and you'll find out when new cases are happening. And to your point, like, how would I have known if that HTS code didn't flag staying abreast of all the new cases and saying, oh, there's an anti-dumping, you know, case on slate. Well, I may need to take, I know I have that one TV stand that has the slate on it. I may need to go, you know, take a look at that one. So that can be a really good resource and just, you know, consistently staying abreast of what's going on in in global trade topics. Um, And like I said, lots of free resources to help you do that. Also, you know, partnering with a good um, trade consultant, whoever whoever you choose, you know, I don't want to name anyone specifically, but there's lots of them out there. So whoever you choose to do that and, um, you know, once you form a good relationship with one of these outside trade consultants, they'll let you know, like, hey, didn't you have that one product that had slate on it? Just reminding you that there's an anti-dumping case on that. You might need to take a look let at Let me say this. About, is that, uh, uh, hang, hang on. Let me get to that point. I'm sorry, Lowe. Uh-huh. Um, but you no, made a great uh, point, Bonnie, and I love it. But it's, it's like if you're going to do an outside consultant, or something to that effect, it's, mm-hmm. it's you're reaching out to an expert outside your company. The one thing that we had two Absolutely. attorneys uh, make a an extremely important point on that, and that is, you know, sometimes you'll get advice from your broker, and it may be free because they're you're doing the entry or they're doing the entries for you and all that, and or a good friend yeah. from a consulting firm. But in this particular case, if you're going to, you need to make sure that if that consultant or whoever it is, is a paid consultant, because if you do have problems, it's like, again, part of the due diligence It's you know, if you're getting free advice from anybody and it runs into problems, well, that advice is worth what you, you didn't pay. It wasn't it would, worth what you right, paid exactly. for. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know about that, but that that's one of those that I guess in looking at it, it would make it probably uh, i guess worth it you've done everything you can up to a point now you've got in, enough information here is classified here's the commodity here's the pictures here's what it's made out of um you know as far as the composition of everything and then send it to a, a consultant to say please let me know i cannot find any ad or cvd or anything else on it do you mm-hmm. agree with my assessment and pay a few hundred bucks if it takes right. it. Yeah, absolutely. Get them to double check your work. You know, at the end of the day, Andy and Lalo, and we've all worked in global trade for a long time. There is a lot to do, right? And I think one, you know, as I meet more and more global trade professionals, I think one common thread through all of us is that we are overachievers and we're perfectionists and we think we can do everything ourselves, right? (laughs) Because we've all worked in a situation where we have been the global trade compartment you know, department are, are just a team of one and, and that's inappropriate. Right. So I think that, you know, I struggle with, and, and I'm sure other global trade professionals struggle with as well is saying, you know, it's okay to ask for help. 
right? It's okay to, you know, like you said, Andy, do the initial work myself and, you know, think that I've, I've gotten as far as I can and I know the answers, but let someone else verify that, you know, let an outside consultant, an outside um, attorney, whoever you think is appropriate, just take a second look, right? And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I love that, you know, the three of us and the larger community can work together and, and throw questions at each other. Like, Hey, have you seen this before? You know, what did you do in this situation? I think that's invaluable. That's what I call bird dogging. And it's, it's, you know, I don't know the answer, but when we throw it out there and somebody else may know and gets me a little bit closer to a resource. And that's one of the things that I like about the different trade associations that can help out. And again, it's, you're not going to ultimately come up with the, a, a end solution for everything, but as you get closer, then you're like, okay, now I've got enough information and somebody can recommend a certain expert or whatever that now, okay, I can spend some money and see if this is valid or not or whatever. Hey, everyone. Uh, we'll stop here. And uh, the next episode will air uh, later this week. Uh, that way you all can have an opportunity to listen to both episodes in the same week. And uh, thank you all for joining us. Uh, we do have quite a bit, a lot more information that we're covering with Bonnie and uh, it's worth the, uh, the listen. And so thank you all for tuning in and uh, catch you on the next episode. Thank you very much for joining us. Simply Train is brought to you by the generous contributions of Global Training Center. You can follow the show and GTC on LinkedIn or Twitter and other social networks. Make sure you check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. Also, make sure you share this with a friend and subscribe on your favorite streaming platform. We really like hearing from you. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest in the show or would like to sponsor Simply Trade or suggest any topic you would like for us to discuss, please contact us via email at simplytrade at globaltrainingcenter.com or you can DM us on Twitter at simplytradepod. Thank you again for the privilege of your time. Happy trading. Simply Trade is not a law firm or an advisor. The topics and discussions conducted by Simply Trade hosts and guests should not be considered and is not intended to substitute legal advice. You should seek appropriate counsel for your own situation. These conversations and information are directed towards listeners in the United States for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be substituted for legal advice. No listener or viewer of this podcast should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information on this podcast without first seeking legal advice from counsel. Information on this podcast may not be up to date depending on the time of publishing and the time of viewership. The content of this posting is provided as is. No representations are made that the content is the views expressed in or through this podcast are those of the individual speakers, not those of their respective employers or Global Training Center as a whole. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast are hereby expressly disclaimed.